You are now listening to the Fat Fix Podcast with David Flowers, a show talking about all things fat loss and health for the general population. Helping people understand why they are in the position they're in right now, rather than just focusing on what they need to do. Your no-nonsense personal trainer friend that you can have access to in your pocket whenever you need some help, guidance or just to kick up the arse. Hello and welcome to the Fat Fix podcast for episode number 30. Officially one years of age, the Fat Fix podcast. So a big thank you to everyone that has been tuning in for the last 12 months. Today's episode, I was joined by Dan Smith, who is a personal trainer and the personal trainer director at M10 in Nottingham. In today's episode, we discuss how important psychology and mindset is to creating healthier lifestyle changes to get you closer to your goals. So many people are living with many psychological problems which are making their health and fitness journey feel like hell. And it's not until we really change how we think we can start to make the positive changes that will hopefully last us a lifetime. This was a fantastic chat with Dan who has a real passion for human behaviour and psychology. And just like me, he's worked in the industry for many, many years. He's coached hundreds of people with great success and he lives and breathes helping others. He's certainly someone who's worked with many people just like you probably listening. So hopefully today's episode will help you go away with a new sense of happiness towards yourself and your fitness journey. So this is episode 30 of the Fat Fix podcast, Mind Over Matter, featuring Dan Smith. Big thank you for coming on. No problem, mate. It's a pleasure. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Just before we get underway, Dan, do you want to just give the listeners a little bit of a rundown of who you are and what you do? Yeah, uh, I'm a personal training director uh, and head of education over at M10 Fitness in Nottingham, which is a private personal training facility specializing, for want of a better word, in body transformations and helping mostly general population clients get in shape so head of six seven trainers over here now and kind of like we say our speciality lies in a three 360 degree coaching so our six pillars are nutrition programming mindset psychology sleep stress and digestion so we try to give an overview of kind of coaching with our education we've it's multifaceted so we've got a six month uh, personal trainer mentorship we've got both practical and theory courses that we run as well and this year, kind of, we're going abroad to help educate trainers. I mean, our goal is a, as a team over here is just to help as many trainers and uh, clients as possible live live the best possible lives and improve their businesses as well. Yeah, what I like about you, Dan, and one of the reasons why I got you on the podcast is not only do you get results with people and you actually practice what you preach, you and you're very much a in-house personal trainer like myself. You don't, you're not one of these. Instagram wankers who are jumping around talking a good game. You're actually, like we said before, we hopped on the call. You're doing 40 hours a week. You've been in this industry 13 years, you mentioned. You very much have a passion for what you do. And a big passion of yours is the psychology around change. I know that's a big area of yours, and that's what we're going to kind of jump into today. And it'd be yeah. great for to share your experiences, how you approach clients with some of these psychological issues in terms of food behavior, environment, they're exposed to the social circle, whatever that may be, to go into a little bit more detail about how you actually get clients' results because I know a big factor of it is changing the way they think. Yeah. one. I mean, kind of from a mindset and psychology standpoint, I think as coaches, it's we, we, we think well, as soon as somebody enters the gym that, oh, right, straight onto the thinking initially straight about a program, but kind of, a misunderutilized tool is going to be mindset and psychology. I mean, the massive premise with us guys over here at M10 is understanding a client's state and understanding where they come to us because quite often, and you've seen it quite a lot, people talk a lot, talk a very good game and they say they want something, but they misinterpret what it's going to take to get to that position there. And because we're dealing with more often than not in, especially at M10, and I know with a lot of trainers that are in the industry at the moment, general population people, it's very short-sighted to just think, right, I'm going to implement a program of nutrition. Somebody's just going to stick to it. Unfortunately, people come to us for accountability. But as I said earlier, they don't have the, the now as to what it's going to take to get there. So kind of understanding your client state is going to be super important. 
and understanding the client's behavior. So our client kept questionnaire over and 10 is, I think it's 12 pages long because we like to gain as much information as possible to build a case study. As I mentioned earlier, we work off six pillars. So programming is probably the smallest modality that we work with. And it's, it's almost the top tip of the iceberg because unless you get all the other factors below that, which are mindset and psychology, sleep, stress and digestion, nutrition on point, a program is only as good as its execution, everything that works with it. But in regards to the mental side, what we need to understand as coaches is the gym, uh, whether it is preparing food or working off food lifts and changing habits is very difficult. As you quite rightly mentioned, we're getting guys come to us that are t- late 20s, early 30s, even 40s, and they've had bad habits for as long as they can remember. So whether it be 25 years, so expecting them to be able to change straight away is going to is very short-sighted on our part, but understanding kind of the red flags and what are their limitations? And one thing I've talked to a lot of my guys about is kind of be very brutally honest with what's going to stop you from changing because a lot of people talk about what they're going to do, but not many people talk about what they've got to stop doing. And honesty is a big thing for me. I work off analogy personally of the hack analogy, which is honesty, accountability, consistency, and knowledge. And with those four factors, we can start to understand the person we find in front of them because many people that I come into contact with have got such a such a really swerved perception of themselves. So one of the first questions I ask my guys is what do you see when you see in the mirror? And the amount of people, male and female, say that they hate themselves. And from a mindset and psychology standpoint, for me personally, that upsets me because for somebody to physically say they hate themselves shows such a distorted sense of reality. I say to my clients, kind of are you a bad husband or a wife are you a bad mother or father are you are you uh, a bad friend and quite often than not the answer to that is no so i so i the way i explain to me say so you're you're just overweight and they're like well yes i'm like so that doesn't constitute to you hating yourself or you're not a bad person and unfortunately the stigma in today's society is unless you look like a kardashian or you've got sprayed on abs and a fat ass you should feel good about yourself. But as speaking to you before kind of a start of the call, kind of improving somebody's perception is very difficult because you try to un- undo whether it be childhood traumas or early adult traumas from early on in their life. So have a broad, having a broad understanding of kind of where our client and the state that our clients come into is going to be super important because unfortunately our clients more often than not, unless they've got sustainable habits in, they're going to revert to type all day long. I mean, I use a model that I teach on a lot of our courses called the Stages of Change model, which is a, a five-prong model to understand where your clients are at in regards to how they're starting with you. So the five stages are pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, and maintenance. It's a, it's a model that's used by, it was from the 70s by Di Clemente and Prochesca. And it just, just gives us a little bit of insight into how your client's going to respond. So a little bit of insight into what it is. So if somebody's in the pre-contemplation phase, they're not going to change. We've all had those clients with us that kind of, no matter what we impart and the knowledge or all the good information, they're not going to change. Is that a bad thing? In my opinion, no. It's just having an understanding as a coach that we get very frustrated with guys that don't change and we don't understand why. But if we delve a little bit deeper below the surface and understand the state that our client comes to us, then maybe... Been, they've been told that they're shit from young or they've been told they're fat by parents and friends. The social circle they're in is, condu- is not conducive to results. There's so much more going on behind the surface. Remember, as coaches, we're dealing with humans. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that fact. We're dealing with behaviours, we're dealing with emotions. And we were speaking about it to a client just a second ago uh, as I had a consultation, and she was talking about emotional eating. I think it was Martin McDonald that says in one of his talks not too long ago that kind of if you emotionally eat when you're stressed, you eat, uh, eat or drink in the same, same line, it's an eating disorder. Mm. I go by the trail of thought that everybody that comes to see me nowadays in today's society has got some sort of eating disorder, some disassociated order with food. So would it be smart of me to put them in the gym, kick their ass and have them being sick in a bucket? No, actually taking the time to sit down and talk to them. Because remember, we're very impartial to every single one of our clients' lives. We sometimes are the only voice of health and fitness in a client's life. So getting them to almost trust you enough to open up, open up, sorry, 
and then give it relay advice and ask some probing questions. What where my skill set lies is being able to delve beneath the surface. I'm very much a no shit kind of guy, and I will ask the questions that people don't want to hear. Unfortunately, in today's society, a lot of trainers don't want to hear excuses, but I love excuses. The reason being is because it, it leads on to another question. So if someone's giving me an excuse, excuse as to why they can't do something, there's often a, a reason behind that. So understanding as coaches, we, we are trying to problem solve to get the best out of our clients, but it's understanding that we're still dealing with people. And I was having this conversation with one of my guys the other day, but kind of these TV programs that are promoting sort of different types of diets and those kind of things, they're taking advantage of a miseducated kind of country. How many guys that we speak to have got a really in-depth level of knowledge on nutrition? Not very. So a lot of the time it's very much an unconscious decision. Oh, I went for the fat-free element or I went to the island. I got this uh, sugar-free ice cream instead of kind of a full fat ice cream. There's so much miseducation and bad stigma around foods that kind of people actually lock the knowledge. So as coaches, one thing we should be doing is educating them, but also lauding the positive things that they are doing. Because a lot of the people that sit before us have got a lot of negatives going on in their lives. I mean, a lot of people in this country, we were speaking about at the start of the call, you speak to them, how are you? The first thing they say is, oh, and it's straight to a negative. I put a post out on Instagram the other day, how people will always pick up on the negatives before they pick up on the positives. And from a neurotransmitter standpoint, we have brain-wise over 20, about 20,000 internal dialogues personally a day. How are those dialogues happening with clients and kind of understanding that if everything's negative, it's going to lead to negative action. So un understanding by changing that kind of stigma around what they should be thinking about is, is going to be super important. It's not just a case of do this and they're going to adhere to it. Nine times out of 10 with general population clients, that's not going to happen. We have to be smarter and we, essentially we have to care more and understand what's going on. To some trainers, that's boring. For me, it's not. As we were speaking before the call, I love getting into the nitty gritty. I'm not a psychologist, but I'm very good with human behavior and thought and, and changing how people perceive situations. Perception for me is king in every aspect of their life. And if we're not changing perception outside of the gym, you can be sure as fucking health change isn't going to happen in the gym. I say to people, whether you spend an hour or five hours a week with me in the gym, that's nothing in, sense, in the sense of their transformation. The actions and the thoughts they undertake outside of the gym are going to be so much more important to the time that they spend with me in the gym and me having a positive kind of spin and almost guiding them from a subconscious thought standpoint of what to think about. And if they are, if I've identified the red, red flags, for instance, it's an evening when you finish work after you've, you've had a tough day because your boss is a knobhead. If I understand that that's the red flag, if I'm promoting things like meditation, uh, write journaling and things like that to wind them down at the time when they're going to be at the highest sense of kind of stress, I can start to almost subconsciously affect action. Thing is, mate, everybody's different. Like kind of, again, I've looked at psychology. I've done a few psychology courses and they teach you a framework. But we as coaches got to understand that every single person that we come into contact with is individual. We're never going to meet two of the same people. So let's say for depression, people to, we've got five people in front of us and they're all displaying the same symptoms of depression. Uh, we, we're told to go down a certain route and this is how we tackle this. But understand that every single one of those five people to the kind of tactic you decide to go down are going to respond differently. And the art of listening, I think, is lost. So much in the industry now, and I know we're talking a lot quite now, but... Uh, in the industry, people like to talk a lot, but not, not a lot of people like to listen about what's really going on. And actually asking a leading question to a client and then shutting up for a period of three minutes, you'll get a lot more out of them. A lot, a lot of trainers and a lot of people nowadays like to almost exemplify what they know. Mm -hmm. What I'm very good at is breaking down the difficult things into simplistic terms, but also allowing somebody to come to me. The art of listening is, is such an underutilized tool in the industry today. My clients don't need to know about cellular biology and hormones to the, the nth degree about balance between testosterone and estrogen, but what they do need to do is tell me what's going on in their life, what stresses they've got, why they're not sleeping, what time of the night they're waking up, what sort of food habits they've got, why, why they feel so shit about themselves. And then from there, is building on the sort of advanced stuff.
So what people tend to do nowadays is go with the deep, that deep level stuff, but forget about the basic mechanics of just kind of simple human behavior and understanding that I, one thing I say to the boys over here and I say to the coaches that I work with is every single client that you take on, assume they know nothing because you can always progress knowledge. It's very hard to go back after you've tried to deep, teach some deep level science. So the art of kind of starting from the ground up, you'd never build a house and put the roof on first. And it's the same applies with coaching. It's kind of, it's important to layer on, but not overwhelm. So many of our clients will see a nutrition plan that's got macros, a amount of protein, 100 grams of chicken. It's very overwhelming for a lot of my guys. So understanding their state and kind of how they're going to respond. Because creating a plan that's going to create any, any negative disassociation with our clients, is going to, they'll get to the point where they think, I'm not doing that. And then as soon as that slips, it's a slippery slope downwards and it's very hard to regain control. That's going back to, yeah, the, we'll cover your state stages of change um, in more detail, Dan, because that's something that I'm sure a lot of the listeners will kind of understand because one of your last ones going into like the relapse and that term falling, you know, falling off the wagon, falling through the net, whatever you want to call it. And like you, like you mentioned there and you touched upon is we've got to unpackage all this going on in somebody's head and we, yeah. we sometimes as trainers, a lot of people just think we just give someone a training program. We put them through a gym session and it's all, you know, sunshine and rainbows in, in there. But it's the outside of the gym sessions. It's in between sets. It's after sessions, yeah. before sessions, during the whole time of the week where they're texting you or emailing you. That's where the work is done, isn't it? It's not, yeah. it's not actually just when you're putting them through a set of squats. You know, it's, it's getting done everywhere else. And, the work that we're putting in to get them close to want to be. And especially like you do and I do, you know, people that are actually creating this change and actually not just sitting down and talking about things. And we often hear people nowadays just jumping on social media and they, they're giving this weight loss advice to people. They're telling people, you know, a calorie deficit. But most importantly, people need a calorie deficit in the head because they're in a circle of bad energy going on in their head. So that's, 100%, 100%. that is where we need to go with people to then make this calorie deficit from a physical standpoint much, much easier. And this is why it annoys me whether everyone's arguing and bitching about this stuff. It's like we need to find ways of actually making people do because they've got yeah. the education out there now more than anything. Yeah. Like they can obviously listen to my podcast, hopefully. They can go, <laughs> they can go online. We've got access now to so much stuff. But yeah. obesity is just rising through the roof and yeah. there's so much we need to consider to actually break this down and get to the hopefully get to some degree the bottom of it i don't think we'll ever get to the bottom of it but understand think understand these types of things and how clients can think and that's kind of where i want to lead on to from here now mate is the people that are going to be listening to this mostly general population people i'm sure they can relate to that model that you spoke about before the pre-contemplation stage where you you yeah, we all do this, don't we? We all think, right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Like I've been telling myself I'm going to get massive for 25 years. <laughs> it's still not happened, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and then there's the contemplation stage, the preparation. If we could just break them down, yeah. Dan, for me into some, so the listeners can understand how that works and relate it to their own lives. So they may, might see where they are on that stages of change and what advice you recommend for them. Yeah. So kind of the pre-contemplation stage is the very early stage. Well, the goal of the stages of change well, is to get somebody to maintenance. Maintenance is always going to be stage five. It's get them to a point where they're happy with their results and they've created sustainable change, not just from an aesthetic standpoint, but from a habits and kind of actual change standpoint. So go back to the very start. So pre-contemplation is somebody that kind of unfortunately doesn't, doesn't, want to take action they they speak to the entirety about what they're going to do but they just can't change for me that's a mechanical default from a kind of thought standpoint but have in that stage allowing people to accept that it's okay not to want to change it's uh i what i read a book called unfuck yourself by uh i forget his name it'll come back to me soon uh, but kind of he talks about kind of being okay with not wanting to change some people tell you that they they're going to take action but are just not actionable but it's okay not to want to change like i always say to my guys if you're not willing to stick to a nutrition plan 
have that acceptance that you're not willing to stick to it until you accept that you're not willing to do what's necessary. We all have those clients and those people that say, I am, I am, I am. Then you actually question them a little bit deeper and they've, they've had, they've gone on a crazy night out of the weekend. They've had bloody chocolate and crisp all week and they've just not changed. They don't want to change, but that's okay. That's mm -hmm. okay. But they need to have, have an acceptance that they know what to do when they need to change. So that pre-contemplation is somebody that wants to change but isn't willing to do what's necessary. Then you move into contemplation. It could potentially be somebody that has seen a little bit of change before, but then it's gone back on. So let's look at the yo-yo diet. So you've lost seven to ten pounds for a holiday. You look great. You feel great. Holidays finish. You've got no sustainability. You've got no format left. You don't want to do that crazy 17 points a day methodology and you end up putting that seven pounds back on so pre-contemplation is where somebody is they understand what they can do to change and they've seen change before but they're almost at 50 50 and that's where we as coaches kind of can have a bit more of an avid input and kind of force them on to kind of that preparation phase and we need to take a little bit more control and for the listeners that are listening it's almost like that kind of lose two pound put on two pounds, lose two pounds, put on two pounds. But again, contemplation is where you, you just need to decide whether you're willing to do what it takes to move into that preparation stage. Stage three is going to be more, you, you've actually started to see a few results, but you still have that little fallback. So let's, as an analogy, let's say five weeks, five days of the week, you bang on, and then you have a slip up on a Saturday and a Sunday, and then you you lose three pounds during a week and then they put a pound back on. You lose two. So it's almost that two steps forward, one step back analogy in preparation where you're not quite willing to do and create total abstinence to actually get onto a point where you want to make the changes that you talk about. So preparation is almost gearing up where you will see consistent change, albeit a lot slower than action, but in a position where kind of you are chipping away, chipping away, and then you might have the odd kind of weekend away or whatever it is where you go back to type. But again, that's not a bad thing, but having an understanding that kind of results and kind of from a mindset and psychology standpoint, everything's going to be a little bit slower. Then if we move on to action, that's somebody that's willing to create total abstinence. Then, and again, that doesn't just come from body type. People have a misconception that somebody that wants abs is going to be the only, only type of, let's say, characteristics in stage four. But somebody, I've had plenty of clients that are massively overweight that have just said, look, fuck it, enough is enough. I'm going to do whatever's necessary to get to the weight I want to get to. I'm sick of feeling like this. And that is true action where clients are willing to have total abstinence from everything and essentially live by everything that you say. And kind of that's a stage that doesn't happen too often. I would say characteristically, most of the clients that come to see myself and Hazira M10 are in stage two or three. It's either that contemplation or preparation and you will get a few guys that are in total action. And when you get a client in this position, but all you guys listening that want to make a change, you will have to give up certain things. One thing we promote over here at M10 is sustainability. We understand that you may have to have a period of time where you do have to live like a, a nun, for want of a better phrase, and abstain from anything really bad to get to where you want to get to with the premise that you're going to bring that balance back in as you get to where you want to get to. So kind of action is that kind of gung-ho, willing to do exact, exactly what's necessary and won't put a foot wrong. If you tell them to eat to the, to the calorie, they will eat to the calorie. And the maintenance, as I said to you a second ago, is that stage where you want everybody to get to. As I spoke about a second ago, here at M10, we're trying to create that sustainability for long-lasting results. Unfortunately, most of the people that we work with, it's, it's general population, not unfortunately, but kind of, they have lives. They like to dine out with loved ones. They like to go out with friends and family. They like to have a drink at the weekend. They like, they've got social events going in, but teaching them from a mindset and psychology standpoint that they can't continue to do that every week and three or four nights a week is necessary. So from a maintenance standpoint, it's getting to people where we've taught them about food and the limitations. I always say to, there's a big stigma around food at the moment in the industry, good and bad food. For me, David, there's no, no such thing as a bad food. It's just how that food works in relationship with your goals from an aesthetics or a kind of mindset standpoint. There's no, we demonize foods in the, in the industry, unfortunately, but there's no such thing as bad food. There's such a bad stigma around food. And to me, there's no such thing as bad food. It's making sure that clients understand that kind of anything they choose to eat will have a direct relationship to what they say they want to achieve. And giving them an understanding and an education in that is going to be important. So choosing 
let's say steak and vegetables over pizza and chips at a dinner table, they probably still contain the same amount of calories. But how that works in relationship to the goals they have from a aesthetic standpoint is going to be drastically different. So getting somebody to maintenance where they can still live a life, they can still have still social have a social life, still spend time with friends and family is super important. It's somewhere where we like to get to. Stage six is quite an untalked about stage, but it's relapse. So it's quite easy. For, we've seen it all before where we have those guys that are on it, on it, on it, on to a holiday. They get to the holiday, they look fantastic. They come back. You don't hear from them for a few weeks. Then they come back in. Then they're half arse on it. And the old habits are starting to creep in. As coaches, in my opinion, that's because we haven't gone through the education process and understanding teaching sustainable habits. That stage six is going to be a relapse where you kind of fall off a wagon, the whole yo-yo dieting premise where you're on it, off it, on it, off it. And that's not a good place to be because we know from an hormonal standpoint and from an actual body composition standpoint, somebody that yo-yo diets from a metabolism standpoint can have such a dampening effect than actually staying on it for a period of time. So relapse is stage six. So to go through again, pre-contemplation is essentially somebody that says they want to take action, but is not doing the things required. Contemplation is going to be the stage where it's either going to go left or it's going to go right, whether they're going to move forwards or backwards. Preparation is where they're preparing to take action. They've seen great results, but they just need to kind of continue to move forward and portray a bit more kind of control over potentially food habits, but actual decisions from a social circle standpoint. Onto uh, action, which is total abstinence and then maintenance, where somewhere where we'd like to keep them for, for the rest of their lives. So we've educated them enough about food choices, habits. When they do have negative thoughts, we've identified the red flags and what they can do to combat those kind of things and really start to move things forward from a lifestyle standpoint, as well as the six variables that we spoke about, nutrition, training, mindset, sleep, stress and digestion. Yeah, I think a lot of people on that stages of change seem to go from like we said, the, the pre-contemplation, and then they might just jump straight into this drastic action that's not really in line with where they're currently at. And obviously, this is where us as personal trainers need to kind of manage expectations of individuals, look into their life a little bit more. And we've all had those clients that have actually said, I really, really want to do that. And there is times like, like you mentioned down there where you're like, okay, perfect, your motivation's high. Let's go for it. Let's kind of ride this wave for as long as possible before I know that you will end up tipping to some degree. But that's up to me then to be able to spot that a mile off to then kind of rein you back in a little bit so it doesn't become a relapse state. And obviously having a coach as well does help with that happen. But a lot of people on their own journey who don't hire a coach, they do have this mentality of going all in at the action. And then before you, they're just bypassing all this maintenance, they're going, they're basically just a habit loop of, pre-contemplation not giving a fuck absolute yeah. on it with the action where they're a completely different human being telling all the friends and family what diet they're on what diet they're doing and then before you know it they're back to square one again it's a relapse and i do often say this to my clients as well i i do tell people don't tell people what you're doing i think yeah. this is a big one How they say to me need for validation isn't it it's yeah, kind of people, like, like we spoke about on social media people require validation to say they're doing good nowadays one thing we've got to teach our clients as coaches is that you don't require validation from anyone. I say one of my skills is kind of, I don't, I, for want of a better phrase, I don't care what anybody thinks of me because I'm not trying to impress anybody. I understand my values to their entirety. I want to be a good father and I want to be a good grandson to my grandparents and a good coach to the clients and the guys that I work with. And as long as I'm doing everything possible to hold up to those values, it doesn't matter to me what anybody else thinks. People are always going to have an opinion. And what I say to my guys is kind of, it's our God-given right as human beings to have an opinion. You understand that if you walk into the gym, your gym at form, some people are going to say, oh, look at that skinny sod, David. Some are, some are going to walk in and go, oh, look, at, look how massive David is. Somebody's yeah, going to yeah. say, oh, David's a prick. And then someone say, oh, David's a great guy. But it's all opinion. And not one of those opinions are wrong. It's yeah, just yeah. people's perception. And unfortunately, I say to my guys is, do not let... Ever, anybody have control of your mind you are the rule the only thing we have wholly in our own individual mindset as, as human beings is our own thoughts mm. and kind of as soon as you allow somebody to go into your thoughts and almost dictate what you think you're giving them control we are the only one in control of our thoughts and teaching my guys to understand that kind of they're not the requirement to impress anybody is, is zero impress yourself 
and be confident that kind of it doesn't matter what people think of you because you people are always going to have an opinion always always good bad right or wrong but allowing yourself to be swayed by that opinion is giving someone else control of your thoughts when i think something i teach with my guys is that is something called a bulletproof mindset is sometimes it comes across as kind of egotistical and boasty but I always say people fear confidence in this day and age. If I walk into a room and kind of say my views quite openly, which you do, mate, because I've, I've heard you speak before, kind of people fear that and go, oh, he's an arrogant prick. But if people knew, know me to the entirety, I'm, I'm, the, uh, I'm the ni- one of the nicest guys around. But kind of there's not one part of ego about me, but people fear confidence. And unfortunately, through things like social media and kind of social, social pressure, people's confidence is at an all-time low. And it, it's sad because we were talking about it today, the state of affairs in, obviously, industry with everything that's been going on with uh, Carolina Flat that died. It's mm-hmm. kind of so much pressures to conform to a certain, certain root of demographic that people are losing themselves in the fight. I want yeah. to look like this. I should do this. I should be acting like this. When, unfortunately, you're the ruler of your own destiny. You're, you are the ruler of your own happiness. And if you can't make yourself happy, you can be damn sure that no sort of diet, no sort of conforming to any modality is going to make you any happier. So learning, yeah. to love, learning to love yourself is massive and it's something that is not taught enough by coaches to clients and understanding that we're not dealing with bad people. People are, Unfortunately, people have just got out of shape. It doesn't make mm. you a bad person. Yeah, it's absolutely nothing, is it? I, I've, I've yeah. said this, I say this to a lot of my clients, um, particularly a, a client of mine who's she's lost like 120 pounds now. She came to me originally and I'm, I will be getting her on my podcast, so I won't... Um, speak too much about it but in in essence the goal with her was obviously weight loss she she we, we knew that she needed to lose weight but it was it was seriously her mindset towards herself and a mindset towards other things whatever that may be and kind of realizing what was maybe holding her back and making her feel this way for, to to do with it and most of my time that I spent with her was was speaking to her in the gym I find myself you find yourself training them, but then you find yourself, right, the rest times might have been 10 minutes because I've just been trying to trying to educate her on something and pull her away. And it's not all like work hard mentality in the gym. It's, it's Sometimes it's just taking more of an empathetic approach to the individual, speaking to them, teaching them, letting them leave with something that they can take away. And that was the what I say to her all the time. I say the weight loss was a byproduct of you changing your mindset. As a, that, that's and that's how she sees it now. She's off a of medication for depression and everything like that. I said to her, and but it was funnily enough because when she did start this journey, at first she thought to herself that this would eradicate all the problems. And I don't know whether this again is this a social media thing. She's seeing all these girls online, all these fitballs who are in cracking shape, great looking physiques, acting all happy, happy on social media. She's feeling that she probably needed to take that lifestyle that was going to bring her true happiness. And I remember saying to me when she'd lost X amount of weight that this hasn't made her truly happy. And I said to her, I don't expect you coming to the gym, changing up your nutrition to make you happy. It's part of the process. It's a contribution to the whole process. You've got to look at other areas of your life. You've got to look at you as an individual. And you've got to look at these things that are actually truly making you unhappy and and really focus and kind of honing on those things. And it wasn't until that started to happen. Like I said, the weight loss and the diet, the nutrition, the training was absolutely effortless for her. So much so it's, it's, she's just absolutely pissing it. (laughs) Yeah. I say to her all the time, you are smashing this beyond belief because now your mindset you're a completely different human being. Going to a friend's house and a friend's are saying to her, oh my God, you're having pizza. Is, is David yeah. allowing you to have pizza? And Olivia's like, well, yeah, I understand yeah. energy balance now. And, and I don't give a fuck about having pizza. Since when I used to put, she used to put food on such a pedestal. And I mentioned yeah. this in one of my posts the other day. We've, we're putting food on such a pedestal where, where it's kind of dictating people's lives where they're saying they've had a good or bad day by the food choices that they've yes. made. And it's fucking ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And this is, this is what we're saying. There's a big stigma around food, but kind of, as you've said with Olivia, kind of the whole saying thoughts become things is so true because as soon as she understands her limitations and what she thinks about, 
it's a perception kind of it's a perception of herself that's changed and kind of what she's willing to do and what she's willing not to do and this is what i say to people all the time kind of demon people like to blame people like to pass blame it's this fault it's that fault but unfortunately, as adults, mate, people like to blame circumstances for why they're in the position they're in. But ultimately, as soon as you force somebody to look at themselves and look hard into the mirror at what they see before them, that's where real change happens. Like kind of you can give me any psychology textbook, you can give me kind of any, any modality what to work. But as soon as you start to force people to be honest with themselves about what they're willing to do and what they're not willing to do, how much they want change, how much they don't want change, and educate them wholly. And as you quite rightly said earlier, actually being empathetic and giving a fuck about your client and kind of understanding what everything they've got going on. That's when real change happens. It's no coincidence that, as you said, Olivia could eat a, pe what a, a slice of pizza a day and still leave 120 pounds. Mm. Kind of, as you said, yes, we talk about energy balance in relation, it's relationship to things like hormones. And yes, there is going to be kind of calories that do stimulate change and calories that don't from a nutritional standpoint but that's not the premise kind of what we say with a lot of our guys it's understanding somebody's mindset that we talk about growth and fixed mindset in the industry a lot and kind of so many people come to us with mindsets it's important as coaches to identify people's limitations and work with that it's so easy as i said to you it's so easy to just give a new right a nutrition and training program kind of that's that's easy that's easy for us coaches. It is, and it should, if you find writing nutrition plans and training programs difficult, then you're doing it wrong. The real kind of yeah. where we come into our own is kind of understanding people. And I always say to people, I'm a very good judge of character. I can judge somebody's mood. Remember, you could write a program and the best program on, on paper, and Olivia comes into you to, one day, she's like, she's really down. She feels shit about herself. Is the best form of moving forward for you going to be right i'm going to kick your ass you're feeling shit i'm going to kick your ass today olivia or is it right let's pop into the assessment room. let's have a chat and spend an hour actually rectifying what's wrong and offering her answers answers to her problems and sending her off with a bulletproof mindset and this is what i say so many coaches are so adamant that it's it's progressive overload it's training it's training it's training at, at a high level when you've got guys competing stuff that is the case training mm -hmm. needs to be a serious modality that needs to be looked after monitored tweaked and changed to each individual and i get that but the people that we're working with from a general population standpoint it's the tip of the iceberg mate it's a last it's a last variable we should be looking at as you quite rightly said a lot here at m10 we spend a lot of time in the assessment room a lot mm -hmm. of time actually going through things that have got gone right things that have potentially gone wrong how we can act differently how we can change and the goal of what i do here is I, every person that leaves me after the hour of spending with me leaves the gym buzzing and chomping at the bit to achieve more. And as we say, sustainable change happens outside of the gym, not in the gym. One to five hours a week with us is, is a small frame in the over 160 odd hours in a week to make change. And the actions they're going to undertake outside of the gym are so much more important to training in the gym. And there yeah. does come a point where the train has to be a modality, but for a lot of the guys that we, we can agree that we work with, it's not a massive requirement at the start. And people come to us expecting to be trained hard. Mm. But the key for a good coach is the ability to explain the journey. And what I say to all the guys that come for consults here, don't expect to just be from having a conversation with me and you going with one of the trainers to be passed on to somebody and then we're kicking your ass with him in one session. That doesn't work here. We're going to explain the journey to its entirety and make sure we take care of everything. Because again, going back to mindset and psychology and from a neurotransmitter standpoint, if you've got somebody that's spending so much time in a sympathetic nervous system and jacked up all the time because of stress, mm -hmm. and then you're then exacerbating that by kicking their ass on the gym floor, do you think fat loss is going to happen and they're going to have positive thoughts? No. We've, as trainers, it's having a massive appreciation from the chemical reactions that go on in the body as well. It's not just a case of, it's not just a case of do more, eat less. It's mm -hmm. understanding that the, the body is a finely tuned being and looking at neuroscience and looking at kind of hormonal health and all the factors that go into what we do over here, the body's fascinating. So as coaches, it's having an appreciation what is actually going on beneath the surface because people always look at the external and use that as, a, as a, almost a tool of measurement. But for me, what's going on in the inside, both in brain and also gut and from a hormone standpoint, is so, so much more important than what's going on externally and how much someone can lift and how hard they're training. It's subsidizing negative thoughts as well. So kind of just the premise of just a hard training session for me is I quite, I look at it a bit 
different and kind of the premise for me with a, with a, as I said right at the start, is having a 360 view of the guys that I work with as opposed to just a short-sighted, train-hard, calorie, calorie deficit. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a difference between, like you said, speaking to them in the consultation room. There's been plenty of times where I've had people in for training and I've just sat with them for an hour. And, yeah. you know, that's what the difference between a cheerleader and a coach, though, right? <laughs> if yes. you want to be yeah. a cheerleader, you're going to get them in and start screaming, saying, saying to them, oh, come on, motivation, work hard. But like you said, we, we spoke off, off call about this. I think you mentioned it in this podcast, actually. Is that just listening to them? I've just yeah. sat down for an hour and listened to them. And, and for me, I think, and like you said, it's one of the, possibly one of the biggest skills between people that actually get changed, especially with the obese demographic to people that talk shit and have people lose no weight. And, yeah. and it's, and it's because of what we're speaking about today, isn't it? It's the psyche behind it. It's like I said, we're not psychologists. It's just years of being on the gym floor, working with different personalities where I feel, and probably you can agree, Dan, is that you, you you're coming to the own. You don't need no, you don't need no degree to see that. It's yeah, just yeah. people's skills. It's people experience. And that's the real kind of driver. Um, Dan, I think it would be a good place now to go into, mate, before we start. I know we've obviously covered a lot of these things before, but when it comes to if you getting a client in, we've discussed, discussed um, kind of the mental state of that client. What do you look at doing before you start? And I'm sure the listeners can kind of relate this and compare it to themselves right now. Say they're in a place of thinking of making change. Yeah. In terms of their current mental state, regarding whether that's emotional eating, whether that's binge eating tendencies, what's, what's your advice on what you would do with that individual? For me, it's uh, what we don't do enough of is celebrating little wins. So kind of, it'd be very easy for you to write, right, you're going to eat 1,200 calories a day, you're going to have four meals, it's going to be 80 grams of protein, et cetera, et cetera. But again, the chances of somebody sticking to that if they've got such bad habits is nil and void. And again, all that's going to do is exacerbate the negatives. Oh, I haven't been able to stick to my nutrition plan. So create, depending, again, going back to the stages of change, what, what position I find them in will, in, will will almost kind of dictate where I go. So for me a massive thing is celebrating little wins whether it just be drinking one cup of water drinking two that's still a win a lot of people in today's society there's not another there's not enough positive energy and as i said earlier about the kind of internal dialogue that people have a day is trying to preference those and kind of getting people to celebrate lose sight of the actual weight loss and the composition but actually to do things properly so i always use the percentage scale you get somebody that's just nothing in our eyes, nothing's right. Getting them to be 2% better the next week. And like uh, Dave Brailsford talks about, the whole marginal gains. It's very real from a psyche standpoint. And kind of celebrating the little wins is going to be massive. Because a lot of people in this day and age come to us highly stressed, lack of sleep, supercharged up on caffeine with not much positivity. So kind of for me, it's, it's the initial steps. It's just celebrating little wins. And actually exemplify what they're doing well which i said right at the start of the podcast kind of you're not a bad person you're a good mother you're a good husband and wife you're a good father all the things that they are doing right yes take into account and write down all the things that you want to improve but i'd never directly echo that to a client mm -hmm. because they hear and they hear and how they see themselves already is shit so you mm -hmm. saying oh you're not eating the right amount of food you're not eating enough protein you're not doing this you're not doing that again it's creating that it's just giving them a list of negatives so one thing I ban in, well, in my kind of practice, shall we say, is kind of negatives. Every time a client tries to, because clients will come with a lot of negatives, I just bat it back with a positive. Mm. And yeah. kind of positive reinforcement, little wins, no matter how small, like I said, from drinking one and a half to two liters of water, if they do that right, celebrate it. And kind of get into the habit of stimulate positive change. And I find from a client perspective, that works fantastic. Because they leave amped up and they're like, yes, I did this well. Oh, but I may need to improve. I ate a chocolate bar and I, because an ex, almost educated people on them to be able to identify they what not doing right. I don't like to talk at my clients. I like to almost kind of say it's, it's teamwork. Because mm -hmm. if they can identify, if I sit them down and say, right, how's this week been? And they're able to identify it. It's in their head so they can start to make change. It doesn't, it's not, I'm not a dictator saying, oh, this is wrong, that's wrong, because it creates a negative stigma about what they're doing. But if I just celebrate the positives and then ask them the question, right, 
what could you have done better this week? They're already ready to tell me. So almost from an education purpose, they can start to identify the red flags themselves. Whereas right at the start of the journey, I will identify them for myself and potentially write them down a piece of paper or on my laptop. As a client gets deeper into the process, they can identify the red flags themselves. And then we can have a conversation about it. I always say I'm not the coach to, to shout and beckon and say, this is wrong, that's wrong. I like to have conversation with my clients. Remember, we're dealing with human beings. Most of the guys that come into M10 are business professionals and kind of people that are highly educated and highly skilled people. I'm not here to talk to them like a piece of shit or a child. I'm here to have an adult conversation about what they could potentially do better. If they can't identify it, then yes, I'll go in. But kind of celebrating the little wins and making it a two-pronged conversation as opposed to me dictating. Yes, I have the knowledge and I'm a professional, but I've, I've never been a kind to talk down to people or try to belittle people for what they're not doing. I'd rather celebrate what they are doing right and then have a direct conversation about what could potentially be better. And as I said to you, there's nothing wrong. There's no wrongs or no negatives, but what can we do better? And that collective speech that I use is more often than not positively veiled. They don't see it as a negative. So they're not going away thinking, oh shit, I've not done this, I've not done that, because they can answer the question themselves. But the positive reinforcement that they're getting from me allows them to almost have a spring in their step when they leave the gym and lo and behold, when they leave the gym, they're chomping at the bit and they're like, yes, I'm going to be better doing this. And they can almost identify the things they need to improve themselves. You will get the guys that are in action that you tell them what to do and they do it straight away. But more often than not, with 95% of the clients we have over here being a general population standpoint, it is going to be positive reinforce, reinforcement. And understanding that they don't, quite often they don't know. They don't know what they're doing wrong. So for me to belittle them and tell them, oh, you're doing that wrong, if they haven't got a, they've got, not got a broad understanding of education and nutrition, mm. then it's going to be difficult. And nobody yeah. likes to be told down to. And like I said to you, going back to the premise of the people that we're working with in the demographic are often people that work nine to five or business professionals, those sort of kind of people. Yes, I will take control and I'm very good at kind of saying what others won't, but it's understanding that you're dealing with people and education's a big thing for me and educating my guys on, what they could potentially improve. Yeah, I totally agree with you, mate. I think the um, understanding the mental state when a client comes in before it yeah. kind of leads us as a trainer, what path we take. I've, I've had clients come in in the past and they've ticked that they've had yo-yo dieting, binge eating tendencies, all these things, emotional eating. And I've literally sat down with them straight away. And I've actually said to them, okay, let's not diet we're not dieting for fat loss and they look literally look at me like what i'm i'm literally coming to you for fat loss and i'm like i know you are i trust me i know you are we will get the fat loss but it's not the focus sometimes yeah. i need to just kind of like you said go back to these habits these building these healthy habits on a day-to-day -day basis these healthy behaviors because i know if i give that person a portion of fruit with every meal or low calorie fruit and a portion of veggies with every meal and I'm giving them these healthy behaviors and giving them them wins like you spoke about, this water intake. Then they start as a byproduct, making better decisions themselves. They become more mindful when they go out for a work function and they look at the table and they think, you know what? Instead of having that lasagna and then bag of crisps like I might have had in the past, I'm going to stick to kind of similar to what these wins that David's been kind of like celebrating with me. And I'm going to do them again. And then before you know it, the weight loss is going to come. And I've said to them, I said, see, you know, you've lost 10 pounds and we've yeah. essentially, we've not put the focus in that. We've put the focus in where your problems lie because yes, I could have given you a diet plan to follow. Yes, I could have given you all these fancy things. You could have gone on food prep. You could have lost loads of weight, but fucking hell, you've done that a million times and you keep going back to that bleeding relapse like we spoke about. Yeah. Let's actually yeah. address the main issues a little bit here. And yeah and get you the weight loss like we spoke about all episodes as a byproduct of that, just by focusing I mean, I mean, on things. Yeah, I mean, it will come, like we say, fat loss will come. Kind of, you, you, live, you impart the right habits, fat loss will come. And it's important, going back to your point, is kind of understanding as coaches, we need to be assessing somebody's state every single time we walk through the door. It's not a case of every week we'll assess where you're at. Every time, whether they see you once or five times a week, they will come to you in a different state. And the skill of a good coach is being able to identify as soon as they walk through that door, when they're sat on the settee waiting for you, when they're stretching, just observe kind of how they are, are they nonchalant, have they got their phone attached to their ear when they come in, do they look stressed, kind of 
being having what we call over here the coach's eye and that ability to understand exactly what you've got in front of you before you even speak to them. That's a skill that and having having that kind of intuition, what's going to be greeting you. And just, as I said, that you could write the best program in the world, but if you train them three times a week and every single time they come they come to you slightly different. Like if you're not adapting the program to to take into account what you find in front of you, then you're doing your client a disservice because understanding psychology and mindset is the king. Like I don't care what everybody says, and I teach this on a lot of my clients, psychology and mindset for general population clients is the single most important factor that contributes to change. Yeah, I've done it lots of times. Yeah, it's not nutrition, it's not training, it's not sleep, stress and digestion, it's mindset and psychology. Over a long period of time, improving how somebody thinks, how somebody acts is the king. Yeah, so I've, I've done it. Yeah, I've done it where people have come in for training and you've probably done this yourself, Dan. You know, you've got your program written for them. You see them coming in like a zombie and you just, yeah. you see the mood and everything else. That's it. And I've, and I've basically doing some kind of exercise that requires a lot of thinking, for example. So yeah. if you, you're giving someone a single leg split squat, it requires yeah. a lot of thinking, doesn't it? To get in the zone to do a set of split squats, you've got to be in the right head place. And for yeah, me to exactly. put them through that when they're in that state, I'm like, no, nah, mate, today we're going to be just doing a bit of a recovery session. You're absolutely fucked. We'll just do some aerobic yeah. work, we'll, you know, yeah, some sled work, really, something in. Really yeah, exactly. So kind of it's, it's dealing with what we have in front of us. Kind of someone's, as we spoke about, spending a massive, time, massive time in that sympathetic nervous system, a really stressful week at work. The kids are playing up. They have arguments with their, their spouse. And then you're putting them through a giant set of, five exercises to promote fat loss like you're just exacerbating the problem and kind of having an awareness of coaches to be able to adapt to what we find in front of us adaption is is a tool that we have available how also for coaches having the confidence to say right stop we're not doing that today this is what we're going to do instead kind of a lot of coaches nowadays that i speak to kind of lack that confidence because they're the person they're talking to is a business owner or mm -hmm. earning x amount a year to me kind of being confident in, I know the knowledge that I have to impart to everybody I come into contact is going to be a benefit. So kind of, I don't, I, everybody, whether it's uh, somebody that hasn't got a job to somebody that's a multimillionaire, kind of, I treat everybody the same as a coach. It's important to remember to treat everybody the same. And one of the things I come across all the time when educating coaches is confidence, self-confidence. Kind of how our industry is seen to other professionals, kind of, is not as is not as big as like if you're in a room full of doctors and surgeons and you say you're a personal trainer the looks they give you but then when you explain to the entire what it is we actually do i'm proud of being a personal trainer i'm proud and i always say to my clients kind of i'm more important to you than a doctor a physician a surgeon because i'm stopping you from having to ever see them mm. i'm almost a preparatory phase for you to never have to see a surgeon to never have to see a physio to never ever have to have surgery or see a doctor because I'm preventing all that with all the actions that I'm looking to instill. Totally so kind of, a, lot, a lot of trainers underestimate their importance from an empowerment education, but also as a tool to help clients progress. I totally agree with what you just said there. And, and we, 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 we did touch upon this online saying that personal training is never dead. And the face-to-face -face communication is the most important thing. And you can have the fanciest technology. You can have the apps online. You can... You can sign up to such a body's online plan. But the truth be told, most people, especially, and I did a post on this literally today, they, if they feel like they, they need help with this type of stuff, they need to really look to actually seek it from someone like myself and like you, yeah. Dan, and other good coaches because they, they'll, they're seeking the information from the wrong people yeah. or they're, they're constantly kind of in pre-contemplation with what to do. Yeah. But it's never going to change unless they get someone, hopefully like us, who are actually going to sit them down, talk some sense into them and how they feel and stop being so harsh on themselves. Nothing is more powerful than the face-to-face -face communication. Yeah. And that's why I've started my new kind of fat fix chit-chat with people. Is this exactly why I'm doing it? Because I'm not interested in selling no generic online bollocks and having them all check in, telling me that they're feeling sad today and I just put back, okay, well, <laughs> do this. Like, it's just mm. not powerful enough for the general population. I would much rather sit down like we are now, Dan, with a general population client and actually speak to them for like an yeah. hour 
and hopefully get to the bottom of their problems or let them leave this call feeling absolutely amazing and ready to actually take action and understand and get educated in this massive minefield of information because we understand it's such a fucking minefield in it and I'd, we, we as coaches kind of we underst- under, underestimate the empowerment tool and how much of an important component we are to our clients' lives. We're not there to just train them. We, I say, I'm, I'm in the empowerment aspect of our job is fascinating. It's fantastic. It's kind of the reward we get from kind of seeing somebody, which we spoke about before the call started, actually change their life. Kind of, there's no better feeling. I always say, it's, it's quite a morbid thing to say. I could die today on this call knowing that I've had a positive contribution to somebody's life. Like, mm. how fucking powerful is that? How, yeah. like, like it's, it's an amazing feeling to know that I've positively helped somebody live a better life. As human beings, we're so, we're so, so in this day and age, we're such selfish, self-absorbed creatures that have, as coaches, we have that ability to positively impact not just one, but hundreds and thousands of people's lives every single year. That, to me, mate, that's why I do this job. That's what's so powerful with this face-to-face is because... I, I can really help people cement significant change and help people live longer, live happier, live healthier, and pass it all the nutrition and educational information onto their sons, their daughters, their wives, their husbands. That's that to me is personal training, mate. That's that's why I do what I do for God knows how many hours a week, gym floor, early, late, and I love it. As we said right at the start of the call, we kind of I do this because I love it. I never woke up a day in my life thinking to myself, oh shit, I've got to get up for work. I bounce out of bed at 4.20 every single morning, Monday to Sunday, because I genuinely love what I do. And there's not a lot of people that can say that. And I say to a lot of trainers that if you don't feel that way about this industry, then get out of the fucking industry. Yeah, there's, not, yeah. there's not room for people that are just in it for a, a quick book and an easy life. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be early mornings, late nights, and it's going to be dealing with some very challenging people. And if you're not willing to do that to subsidize significant change, get the fuck out of the industry. There's plenty of other industries that will take you. Yeah, 100%. And it's, 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 it's so powerful, the, the kind of role we have in people's lives. We, you know, you become a confidence to your clients. You become almost a kind of a part, an extended part of a family that doesn't pass judgment. And it's, it's so important from a mindset and psychology standpoint that you value that. You value that. Because the actions we're asking them to undertake are potentially life-saving. And that sounds quite extreme, but it's the truth. No, so whether wherever it's talking about nutrition or uh, exercise or or lifestyle factors, I heard the same once before. Kind of just the ability to say morning to somebody going through deep line depression can be the dis- difference between them going home and being happy and going home and slitting their wrists. Like mm. that is fucking powerful. Like, yeah, in this day and age, such a high rate of depression, anxiety, ADHD, and all kind of mental disorders. Just being who we are and being so proud and let our clients know that we're proud to be helping them on their journey. That's such a big thing. Yeah, it's a, it, it, you're right. It's everything that what we get up for. And I've had it where I've, I've had clients like who've actually said to me, got another client of mine who said to me, he literally said to me the other week, he went, I feel so happy with my life right now. Literally, that's all he said to me. And I, I just said to him, I said, all right, why did you not used to be happy with your life? This is before he kind of opened up to stuff like yeah. that. And he just was like, no, mate, I wasn't. And for me, I just thought, that's fucking class. That was like, that's like the what, icing what, on the what, cake. What, yeah, what a feeling. Kind of, I, I do the transformations and kind of they're all, they're all in plain C on my Instagram and stuff. But that is a feeling to know that you've changed someone's life for the better. Like, it's an, ama- it's an amazing feeling. If someone don't buzz off that feeling, I don't know kind of what will make yeah. them buzz. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you go anyway, Dan. But to summarise this podcast today, it was really good that you mentioned before. People yeah, need yeah, to stop being, stop being so harsh on themselves. Realise that they're very good people. Just because they're carrying some body fat right now doesn't mean they're a bad dad, they're a bad wife, whatever that may be. And they basically just need to start looking into these barriers that we spoke about, this psychology, this massive minefield of psychology that they need to kind of start to look to change before everything else probably falls into place a little bit better. And I did my very first podcast on this saying lose weight in your head because that's pretty much what most people need to do in this day and age. And hopefully people like myself and you can help people do that. And hopefully with my podcast, people listening to it, especially from a weight loss perspective and an image perspective and self-esteem perspective that hopefully today's chat has contributed to someone 
being a little bit happier with themselves and thinking less harshly about the way they look and, and understanding that they can make change and they don't have to be a dickhead to themselves to do it. It's true. And people understanding that kind of, as I say to guys that I work with, kind of change isn't hard. Any change isn't hard. But if you, if you shirk away from hard challenges, I, I mean, I want to die living a fulfilled life in whatever I do, David, and kind of change will never be easy. But kind of, if you're unhappy with the position you're at, then change needs to happen. And the first place that change happens is in your head. And if you can't get on board with a mindset in psychology and be open to change in your head, then unfortunately your, 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 your wins are going to be short-lived and that whole kind of reverting to type is going to be a real thing and you'll never be happy. Kind of change starts in your brain. We talk about kind of the brain being the, the king of kind of everything that goes on, but kind of from a neurotransmitter standpoint, it is. And so I always say to people, be happy in your head, be happy with what you see, because unfortunately what you see in the mirror is exactly who you are right now. Mm. And there's not ch- accepting that what you see in the mirror, you might not want to, so many people don't look in the mirror, all right, but that is you right now. That is mm. you in this snapshot of an instance, this is you right now. And if you're not happy with it, make a change. And as I, as I said a second ago, the change starts in here. Definitely, totally agree. Do you want to just let the listeners know where they can find you, Dan? And if, obviously, if there's any of my listeners in Nottingham who are looking for a personal trainer, I'll send them your way, mate. And hopefully, after this one, they'll contact you anyway. Yeah, no worries. Well, my Instagram handle is Dan underscore coach, Dan Smith, sorry, underscore coach. Uh, Facebook's just uh, Daniel Smith. But yeah, my contact email, if anybody wanted it, is dan at m10fitness.co.uk. Again, any inquiries or any questions from uh, the stuff today, then please feel free to get in touch. Thank you very much, Dan. Take it easy, mate. Yeah, thank you for having me on, mate. Take care. No worries. Thank you for listening to the Fat Fix podcast, and I hope you all enjoyed today's show. If you have not already, please make sure you subscribe and you don't miss out on any future episodes. I also can't stress enough how much it means to me, to those that have left me a star rating and written review on iTunes. This will ultimately help me reach more people like you and really help them too. So please give me two minutes of your time to do this if you haven't already. Lastly, any shares and mentions on social media is also massively appreciated. I will see you very soon for the next episode. Thank you very much.